0: What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, Sharice really doesn't like this one. I love this episode. And we asked the question, there are dolphins
1: aboard the Enterprise? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice.
0: Hey, I'm your co host, Andrea. Charisse, today we're talking season five, episode 21, The Perfect Mate. This episode was written by Renee Echevarria and Gary Perconti. Directed by Cliff Bull, Picard serves as a host for a peace treaty between two warring planets, but he may be unable to resist the reconciliation gift, which is a beautiful, empathic metamorph who is to be presented by one leader as the other's wife. Famka Jensen is so gorgeous Mm -hmm. in this episode literally so excited to watch this one and review it i don't remember like a ton of the details like right off the top Mm -hmm. but i just remember that there was like kind of like this egg made out of light that's sort of glowing and a person breaks out and she's supposed to be like a perfect mate to whoever she's around and i thought it was super creative story and i was so excited to jump into it what are your initial thoughts
1: Yeah, I didn't really remember this story. This is one that I usually give a skip because the thing I do remember is that it was some woman being uh, bred as a perfect mate and being treated as property. And I just feel like women being treated as property is such, um, I want to say an old school way of thinking, but it's not. (laughs) Like it's still kind of a current way of thinking that should like die a fiery death. (laughs) <laughs> so I just felt like, oh, even in the 24th century, women are still treated as property. That doesn't feel very novel to me. So I usually give this one a skip. And in rewatching it, I was not super excited. And Ooh. I will say, yeah, she was extremely beautiful, but I couldn't really shake that feeling the whole episode. Because even when they were like, "This is outrageous! A woman as property is outrageous!" I mean, still they they like treat her like like that didn't change though. Like nothing changed. All mm. all went exactly the same. I don't know. I didn't really understand the point of this episode. So I'm really curious to hear. Your take on some of these things to see if my opinion changes by the end of our conversation
0: Ooh, see this one oh my gosh this is a rare one where we have like differing opinions like you and i have different opinions on like alexander but not on the episodes as a whole we're both like that was trash or we both think it was wonderful so it's really cool like i like this one a lot i i the woman bred to be a gift is yes it sucks However, what I thought was really creative about the story is that she's an empathic metamorph. So anyone she's around, she like morphs to be the perfect companion for that person. I think it would have been a little bit cooler if it would have been like male or female. She would just become like the perfect friend or the perfect partner or the perfect cousin or the perfect whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just around men. So I was like, maybe just have like a woman be like her escort around you know, I was going to say campus, but like around the, (laughs) the yeah, yeah, around the ship, you know, but like, I loved the idea. Also, I really loved her like hair and makeup and her um, dress Mm -hmm. was so beautiful. I was like, Oh my God, why can't I wear something like that?
1: You absolutely can. Um,
0: eh, I mean, I can't pull it off like Famke Jensen though. Let's be honest, which by the way, here's a fun fact. Um, This was only her second acting job. She was a model. Wow and after this episode was offered to join the main cast for deep space 9 and she turned it down but they ended up loving like her makeup so much that they mm-hmm. used that makeup on Dax in DS9
1: Yeah, I when like, i saw her wow. i was like that makeup is so beautiful it looks exactly like trill <laughs> like the trill mm-hmm. makeup although mm-hmm. the last trill we saw did not have makeup quite like this yes um Look totally, totally different. But this is beautiful. Like, the, the makeup job and little spots and the spots that go down her back. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. So
0: pretty. So pretty. All right, cool. Well, in an effort to bring centuries of war to an end, these two worlds, Kreos and Vaultminer, have agreed to a ceremony of reconciliation aboard the Enterprise. And we kind of start off with the ambassador, uh, the Kreosian ambassador, which I'm like, Kreos is a cool planet name. And to mm-hmm. be a Kreosian sounds even cooler (laughs) um the creosian ambassador is having this like lovely little tea with picard in his ready room and asks that the gift that they brought aboard to be kept securely in the cargo bay which should remain off limits and picard was like for sure but like is there anything like illegal or anything he's like no no it's just dangerous or hazardous or something yeah he's like no it's just like irreplaceable and so and fragile yeah so maybe you know don't and he's like, and so Picard's like, sure. Like, listen, if the okay. Like, who am I to get in the middle of this? Like, fine. So the Enterprise very quickly comes across the Ferengi shuttle that's in distress. And they we see the classic Star Trek move of like beaming survivors off the shuttle as the explosion ensues. And mm-hmm. it's two Ferengis and they're pretty excited to be aboard. And they're like, perhaps Captain Picard will, or perhaps the captain will like invite us to dine with him. And I love Warp's <laughs> line where he goes, The captain dines alone and just, like, leaves them in their quarters. Yeah.
1: No one has patience for the Ferengi of any shape or form. This is, like, even worse than Alexander, basically. People have no patience for the Ferengi. (laughs) What was interesting when these two guys walked in is I immediately recognized both of them. I was like, hey. Yes. We've seen them both before as Ferengi or somewhere else. And so I did a little Googling on IMDb I did thanks IMDb I I I always do this whenever I see shows and I see an actor I recognize I go immediately I pause the show go to IMDb Mm -hmm. find the name of the actor find the thing they've been in and then I go all the way back to their original starting career until I find the show I remember them from otherwise it's like (laughs) it's (laughs) It's gonna bother you it's like a splinter (laughs) I have to to resolve it's a mind splinter it's It's like a mind mind tickle splinter yeah yeah and I have to figure it out so um, one of these actors, Max Grodenchik, I think is that how you say his name, um, okay. was also a, the Ferengi in Captain's Holiday. The one who was obsessed That's with bosch That's what I thought. Yep. That's it was what him. I thought. But he's playing a different Ferengi, but it's the same actor and the same okay. makeup, but different name. Um, and he actually goes on to play a Ferengi in Deep Space Nine. So, cause they're, they're a lot more prominent, uh, they're a lot more prominent in that story, in that world. Mm. Um, Wait, they who's are in the, the other actor who, Do we know the actor who plays Quark?
0: Is that the same? No, is that different the, Is that the same one? Oh, okay, okay. It's a different all person, right. yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, although Quark did... The actor who played Quark was on TNG mm-hmm. before and then comes back as Quark on TNG and That's then goes on CS9 as, as Quark, yeah. Oh. Um Also, the guy who plays Neelix was a, a Ferengi in TNG and then comes back... He was. He, yeah, anyways. He was, yeah. The other Ferengi um, comes back in... The episode Rascals, season six, episode seven, as one of the Ferengi taking over the ship. Okay. Again, he's a different Ferengi, different name, but same exact makeup.
0: I feel like, do they just have, like, is there like one of those like old 80s, like metal filing cabinets, the kind that screech (laughs) when you open them? And there's all these different manila files in there that say like Cardassian, Romulans, like Ferengi. And it's just headshots of the same where they're like, let's see, there's only three (laughs) headshots in each.
1: File folder in that screeching metal <laughs> okay, potentially, right? Because we do see the the actress who plays Kalar comes back like five times as yeah. different different aliens. But the Ferengi, I think they want a certain type. They want a person who's very kind of petite in stature, kind of short, yeah. kind of thin. You don't see a ton of overweight Ferengi. I think we yeah. see like one, the Grand Negus, the like ruler of all the Ferengi or whatever, but yes. they're usually like pretty slight, pretty short, pretty skinny. And so they have to have a certain build, kind of like Klingons too, right? They're pretty tall, pretty big, pretty bulky. They have to have a certain certain build. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they just keep reusing the Ferengi. And because the Ferengi have full face makeup, they can just play Ferengi all day long. You would never know if yeah. it was the same person. You kind of can't tell. Could you Anyways, imagine that's mixing my, that's my up those Ferengi file folders dive. though?
0: And calling in a Ferengi and, or calling in like a a Klingon. Yeah. Or, yes, having like a Ferengi play like a Klingon. (laughs) He's like five foot two. And they're like, you're either a young one or like, yeah, something went (laughs) wrong. Basically, it's Alexander. Yeah. (laughs) Which, yeah. Anyway, thank God at least he's not in this one. (laughs) Anyway, so the Ferengi, though, were like, oh, that was too easy. So we're like, "Uh oh, so they're clearly kind of up to something now we find out when we come back from the intro that jordy has been working to make a holodeck replica of the creosian temple where the peace ceremony will take place and the ambassador is like oh this looks pretty good okay like you know we're sort of you know there's still some stuff to add but overall it's looking good and now one of the frank so the frankies are loose and And they like sneak into like the egg the cargo bay with the egg yeah and he's like what's that and it's like "Mm, why didn't you guys have a guard posted at the door Thought it was supposed to be secured or locked.
1: Yeah, they don't Can lock doors. The door? I think I think what secured meant was they told people don't go in there. And then because they're all <laughs> you know the crew, they're just like okay, right? Like they just listened. Um, they just said this is out of bounds, and they're like okay. But before that, we find out in the temple, like in this holodeck program, the ambassador lets us know the history between the war between these two people. So apparently, mm-hmm. the, these two kingdoms used to be led by two brothers. So they were in harmony. And one brother was in love with this woman and the other brother stole the woman and that caused war for centuries and centuries and centuries. So it's very symbolic for them to have this reuniting ceremony in this temple. And as we mm-hmm. find out later that the gift is a woman, it's kind mm-hmm. of like undoing what caused all the war. So I think this is supposed to tie up the whole storyline in a nice little bow.
0: Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I kind like, I remember that in passing, but I was like, man, okay, whatever. Um, so these Frankies now get loose, and one of them decides to kind of run over to go check out what's in the cargo bay, and the other one hides around the corner from the holodeck, and when, like, Picard and Geordi and the Ambassador come out, he does what I think is possibly the most irritating sound ever recorded in the galaxy, where he goes, excuse me, excuse me, and I was like, "Ooh." Please don't ever come up on somebody like that. Like, don't come up on someone like that. But he tries like striking up a trade deal with the ambassador. Who Picard is like the ambassador is very busy. Like, you might have to like meet with him another time. Like, we don't have time for this. And Jordy very diplomatically turns him away. And did you hear what Jordy said to the guy when he tried when he tried to like shoo the Ferengi away? No, what did he say? He said, "Have you had the opportunity to see the dolphins yet?" And I went, there are dolphins aboard the Enterprise?
1: <laughs> that is really cool. I was like, wait a second. And my Why don't we ever me, see like a
0: holodeck. But he goes, have you ever, have you had the opportunity to see the dolphins yet? And I was like, Pause. Pause. Everybody, pause. (laughs) There's fucking dolphins aboard the Enterprise. Like, who cares about what's in cargo bay too? (laughs) Who gives a shit? There's dolphins aboard. Oh my god! I like as a marine biologist. I was like, okay, well, I know where I'm gonna be all of the time. Looking at space dolphins, Mm one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Now, um, the other Ferengi who's in the cargo bay is scanning the glowing egg, and the Ferengi gets busted by Wharf. But like, he has kind of piled up a bunch of like cargo bins to sort of stand up higher to be able to scan this egg. And as Worf is like, Hey you, like he sort of stumbles and falls down. And one, one of the barrels, like kind of knocks one of the legs off the tripod that this thing is sort of floating on like a tripod of like uh tractor beams kind of. Mm-hmm. And so it knocks one of the legs off. And so the whole egg tips over and starts to break apart. And there's a woman inside and she comes up to Picard and she says, I am for you. Ulrich of vault. And I was like, "Uh Oh, 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 mm-hmm. Now we have a problem. um and I would love to know your thoughts on a all of this, but B also traveling in an egg. yeah, I mean cargo Bay.
1: I mean, I don't mind the traveling in an egg because <laughs> she's in stasis. so whatever shape the stasis takes, whatever. and they they kept her in stasis because her libido is so high and her pheromones are so strong that they just didn't want anybody to be kind of taken in by her her feminine wiles. So I guess that makes sense that they were trying to contain it. I do think it was silly for them to not have a guard on the door if that was such an important thing and no one could go in yeah. there. But also we've discussed before that the security on the Enterprise is a little lax <laughs> and stuff like this happens, right? This is it another retraining. more like the
0: security team on the Cerritos. It's like yeah. this feels way more... Like what you would expect, just slip ups left and right. Also, when you have Ferengi aboard, like you just rescued them, so you have no idea that they have like a plan, Mm -hmm. but like okay, they appear that you just rescued them. But knowing your history with the Ferengi, I wouldn't go so far as to like throw them in the brig until we can get them delivered to somewhere else. I'd be like, Well, you're of course our guest, but I'd also be like, Uh, Mr. Wharf, I'd like you to have like a team of people kind of just like staying within the hallway of their quarters so if they go scamping around like somebody kind of has eyes on what they're doing.
1: I yeah, like I yeah. yeah, I that I feel a little um <laughs> uncomfortable with that idea just because as a black woman I get treated like that when I go into stores sometimes. Um but mm. I but I but I understand that they do seem a little You know, their history with them is negative, but I wouldn't follow them around because as far as the Enterprise knows, they're not up to anything fishy. We know that as the audience, but they just seem like they were rescued from a legit explosion. If the Enterprise hadn't come along, I feel like they would have died. So this was a really dumb plan.
0: But somehow risky gamble. It
1: was really risky. Like they could have died one second later. Right. So Mm -hmm. it was a really dumb plan, but it worked. And I wouldn't think that they were up to anything. I would definitely want them to be in sick bay to be checked out because they were just in an explosion and stuff. But I probably wouldn't put yeah, guards right? on them or anything else. But I would have a guard outside of the door if this cargo is so precious and is going to be the single key determination in ending a war. Put throw a that's guard on the door. That's lasted hundreds you know? of
0: years. Throw yeah. a guard on that
1: door. Like, I, th- I think that's very reasonable. And I would say locks, but we know they don't use locks. But it, at the very least, have a human standing there being like, no, no, walk, keep walking, buddy. Um, But they didn't do that. So at this point, when the woman kind of unfolds and and she's like, I am for you, I just kind of, you know, had this gag reflex. I just (laughs) I really it just bothers me. It just bothers me. This whole idea of a woman being given to another person as property. It's actually part of our marriage ceremonies here in America where women Mm -hmm. are given away from the Mm -hmm. father to to their husband. So from man to man, this property is passed. And you know, women used to come with a dowry, or like you know, here's a yes, little, here's a little you know, some money or whatever to come with this with this woman, so you can take yes. her. And it just feels it just Not doesn't like feel she empowering. Even a way she's like sold, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel empowering. It doesn't feel it doesn't make me as a woman feel good about being a woman. It makes me feel bad. So I was like, okay, maybe they're gonna like address it or something. And so we find out that in this culture, this is the thing I did think was interesting. We find out that in their culture. Um, there are empathic metamorphs where Mm -hmm. they know exactly how to please their, their partner and the males, many, many, many males are metamorphs. It is like extremely common, but a female metamorph is only born once a generation. So I thought, okay, if I was in a culture where every single, like just translating that to our American Mm -hmm. culture, Mm -hmm. if every single man knew exactly how to please their partner, this would be a really radical world. Um, it'd be so different than how I look. Uh, yeah. At, sign me up for that. Right. Then how I look at like our culture now feels very one-sided when it comes to, to like sexual pleasure specifically, it feels very mm-hmm. one-sided. It feels mm-hmm. like it's all about, you know, men getting ple- pleasure and women being a plaything. But this idea of, of the men being the ones who are like, just being able to, to pleasure a mm-hmm. woman in any way they want mm-hmm. sounds like Um, It sounds really interesting. And then to have a woman as a metamorph once in every generation, like, I kind of feel like- It's
0: every seven generations, I think, they said. So it's like even rarer than that.
1: Yeah. I feel like that, do we need that? Like, if all the men are already metamorphs, do we even need the female metamorph? Like, my thinking was if I had a male, male metamorph and a female metamorph who met, they would be like canceling each other out because they would have no preference of their own. So I don't understand why this female metamorph would be so special because all the males or almost all the males are metamorphs. I
0: think, I think it's special because of the historical significance of what started the war between Creos and the vault. So that's, that's my only thing where I'm like a woman was stolen in air quotes stolen, right? Like, yeah, two brothers like fought over the love of this one woman. So like we can bring a really spectacular woman to be like, you know, the symbolic like gift and like a very like physical gift as well, like for this other ambassador. And that's like that kind of like puts a neat little bow on like the end of their history, and that's yeah. how the war was ended. Yeah. So I I understand in what that you mean. sense it's
1: very interesting. Yeah, but yeah, thinking of their culture, I was like, I don't know what like other than that. Like that makes a lot of sense, but other than that, I was kind of like, I don't really get mm. get it. And then I also was like, but that's not our culture. So I want them to bring in more of the fact that the males are metamorphs and it's very common. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I wanted that more in this episode because I just felt like out of that context, we just basically have this woman who's super sexy and is basically a Mm -hmm. prostitute, right? A prostitute who can read the man who she's with and serve him and please him sexually in any way he wants. And I'm not knocking prostitutes because that's a hard freaking job that I wouldn't want to do because obviously she'd be super high end like very expensive woman who can like change herself but i also feel like the message of our culture is a little bit like women should change themselves so that men want them so again Mm -hmm. with this episode i just was like this feels very reinforcing to negative stereotypes that my whole life have made me feel so uncomfortable so less than so out of step so i i just really this this whole scene i was like okay maybe they're going to turn it around and then i just don't think they did See, I'm, it's so
0: interesting. It's so interesting that both of us have like such different experiences, like with the scene where I was like, What a what a cool idea. Because I wasn't thinking of it in terms of like, I'm gonna sexually please you. She was like, I'm just gonna become the perfect mate, like for life. So, you know, she when she But talked that's eventually
1: to- she said, but now I'm gonna become whatever any man wants until I get to that point and I'm gonna and I'm gonna enjoy it. So good for her. Cause like that conversation yeah. she had with Riker is like every man I meet, I'm just gonna like hook up with him basically. And then when I find the final one, then I, like, lock in their preferences.
0: Mm. See, I I just thought, like, when she was talking to Picard at some point in the episode where she had mentioned, she's like, I would be strong, I would be brilliant, I would be adventurous, I would be all of these things, you know, because that is, like, what you most want in a mate, or that's, like, who you are, like, mm-hmm. I'm mirroring you, basically. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm like, that doesn't always work out very well because I have been in relationships with people where we're so similar that we're way too similar. Yeah. And then it's like, it just sort of feels like it's you're dating yourself. yeah, yeah, And it's mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. So like, obviously those relationships ended very quickly because it was like, well, we're just way too similar. like yeah. there's, there's just way too, we're the, we are exactly the same. And what you need is sometimes two sides of a coin mm-hmm. instead of two of the same sides of a coin. But at any rate, yeah. So I, I see why you feel that way. I mean- Beverly is very much on your side. She's incredibly unhappy with the whole women being born and bred as a gift for a man kind of thing. Um, and I see where she's coming from with that. And of course, Picard gives her the prime suggestion as a reason that they can't interfere. <laughs> so he's like, like... you cannot
1: stand on that leg, like, Picard.
0: He is, <laughs> he is like... We, he he, I, love how he, I love how he, playing a Frenchman, tears up a croissant and throws it on his plate and goes, so we just tear up the prime directive? And I was like, I see what you're doing. You're tearing up a croissant as well, like a lovely <laughs> breakfast pastry, which by the way, I have attempted to make croissants and they are incredibly difficult to make. And they take like three days from start to finish. And I'm like, I think I'll just go down to the bakery and just buy one. So yeah. it broke my heart a little bit to see him tear one up. I was like, no, that was so much work. Oh of God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Picard does come to visit Kamala to see if she is comfortable. And- did you notice the wonderful way that this scene was set up? Picard walked in. So we get a full frontal shot of Picard walking in from the hallway, but there's a mirror like adjacent to the door. So we only see Picard face on, but Kamala is speaking to him, but out of direct shot of the camera, we only see her reflection, like talking to him. Hmm. So it seems like they're both facing the camera and they're talking to each other, but it's her reflection. And I was like, wow, I really love that. Like Cliff bold took, that scene in that direction—it just stood out to me as like, you no. Know, if I've ever really noticed a scene like this before, mm-hmm. where someone is talking to the camera and the person they're speaking to is also looking at the camera, but like through a mirror. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty. I don't know. It just—it just jumped out to me. I didn't
1: notice that at all. It sounds amazing.
0: It was—it was really cool. Um, you know, and you know, Picard and Kamala have this little conversation, and she's like, "Have you been alone your whole life?" And he's like, "Don't try to get inside my head." Just don't, you know, he's kind of unnerved by her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I'm sorry, but this is, like, who I am. Like, this is this is who I am. Um, and she's at the end of her finis raw. That's the height of her, like, sexual uh, maturity stage. Mm-hmm. And every man would fight over her. So Data is assigned to chaperone her around the ship and i actually really like the scene where like data takes her to 10 forward and she kind of like roughs it up with the miners and in front of Worf, she sort of growls and she whatever and riker already made out with her at this point mm-hmm. so he sees her coming and he's like i'll see you later Worf," and just kind of knows what's good for him and just walks out
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> he's
0: like i'm just going to go ahead
1: and go now um
0: and, yeah, after and it he was does- it was
1: in that conversation with riker where she mentions um that she's that she's going to hook up with every guy basically she can because that's fun and Riker's kind of like, I know, right? But he's like, oh, wait, I mean, no, I'm. what I meant to say was um, <laughs> professionalism. And it was like, yeah, you can't stand on that like leg, Riker. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Picard and Riker, you guys are, are not remembering your history accurately in this episode. <laughs> what I do like when
0: Riker decides to pull the professionalism card and he walks out and he's basically like, have a good night. He walks out of her room, kind of wipes his mouth where they yeah. were just making out. And he goes, Riker to bridge. If you need me, I'll be in holodeck four. And I was like, Riker, what are you about to get
1: into I on thought the holodeck same thing? Four? I thought the same thing. I was like, do you need a holodeck? Do you mean your quarters? I don't know if you need the whole holodeck for. Okay, well, anyways, <laughs> for whatever you're planning Maybe to do, that's buddy. That's a door that needs locking because a kid is going to be like, dum, dum, dum. Like, well, you know who it's going to be? It's going to be Troy. Like, hey, guys, what's going on? Or it's going to be freaking O'Brien. Like, hey, haven't seen you in a while. Just thought I'd walk into your private holodeck time. Get out. Get out. Yeah. So. I was also wondering, like, data really ten forward of all places when her pheromonal levels are like through the roof. Maybe take her like anywhere else, like just not ten forward. But whatever, she has a great time. How about like the Astrometrics Lab? There's gonna be like like, two people in there, or the Arponics Bay, or so many other places. But yeah, whatever. Um, The gift shop. (laughs) We haven't seen the gift (laughs) shop since Data's day. The salon. Let's go. Let's go talk to Mott. Like, there's so many places. (laughs) but we go to have Tentori. you seen flowers at the arboretum
0: let's go <laughs> there's nobody beautiful. here but Keiko and she's <laughs> happily married <laughs> Uh, un- like surprisingly to everyone, she's still <laughs> happily married. So
1: like, <laughs> why don't we? Oh go my there? gosh! But in any case, we we get this seed, and and sh- very quickly, Picard realizes everything the ambassador said about you can't let her out of. All together ten. I'm just saying. Sorry, I'm just like, how about transporter bay seventeen? Nobody ever goes there. Let's go back to that cargo bay we were at where your egg was. Let's see what it looks like now. <laughs> So many places. So Sorry, I'm just many. I'm just, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> God, there's <yeah. laughs> the water filtration pump system, the Jeffrey's tubes. Have you seen a warp core before? Let's go. Let's go have a sculpture. Let's go just make a sculpture. Like we could go do that in the art lab. Like we could just go. There's so many places. <laughs> but you go straight to ten forward with this pheromonal bombshell. Yeah. Um, that turn about to turn everything into the Wild West here. Yeah. Um, Anyways, which is also another thing that I feel like that trope of like, we go to war over a beautiful woman. I'm going to get in a bar fight over a beautiful woman. I feel like it's supposed to be like, it's supposed is to it, be honoring women or something. I was going to say, is it supposed to be a compliment? Because I feel I think like it's, it's supposed really to be a compliment. stupid. I feel like it's supposed to be a compliment. I don't get it though. So like, if a guy I, did that for me, I'd I be like, either. I don't get it. Like there, you know, if, if a guy was like, I'm, I'm going to show you how much I care for you by getting in a fist fight with this guy over you, I would be very confused. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how that translates to I'm special. So anyways, it, yeah, it's weird. I don't yeah,
0: know. Yeah. I, that was okay. So, but I do think there are a lot of women who love the idea of men fighting over them because it puts them on a pedestal of being like this, this like
1: treasure or something,
0: this treasure. Yeah. That like men would fight over. However, the idea, like it might sound like oh cool like in a fairy tale i guess to some women but if you think about that being applied in the real world like fist fights are ugly things mm-hmm. they're yeah. really ugly and nasty and, and scary get, really and it's very scary because violent like violence like it's very unpredictable and things move very fast and before you know it somebody's missing a tooth or an eye or has hit the ground yeah. and died like it's a very scary thing so if somebody actually started a fight with me or started a fight over me I'd just go ahead and collect my things and grab an uber and go home alone I feel yeah. like neither one of you yeah. ever call me again
1: yeah if this same. is the kind of person you are like same. i don't it's ever ve- want it's very scary and unnerving it does not make me feel scary. safe or protected no. um so yeah. Anyways. So we have this kind of sweet com- connection with data. And then we quickly have Picard talking to the ambassador. Basically the ambassador is saying, I told you so, because I literally told you so. And Picard's like, no, 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 I think it'll be fine. And so then Picard is like, all right, I guess it's not fine. So then he talks to Kamala and it's like, well, so like, you remember how he said you're free to go anywhere? Turns out <laughs> maybe not because Exactly like the ambassador said, all these guys mm-hmm. are going crazy over you and they can't do their jobs. And then he actually says, Well, I think for the Starfleet crew, they'll be fine. They'll they'll be able to obey orders. And I'm like, That these two get out of here, Picard. Like if pheromones <laughs> are taking over your body, you might not obey orders. Let's just put mm-hmm. it like that. So mm-hmm. like, they would they'll be okay, but we've got guests on the board on board and that's really why, or whatever. And so Kamala's like, All right, you know what? I will volunteer to stay in my quarters which was the deal in the first place when the egg <laughs> got loose, but okay. I will volunteer to stay in my quarters if only you promise to visit me. And then basically Picard's kind of like, why, and he asked her later, why do you keep like pushing and trying to seduce me basically? You know, mentally and emotionally, not, not yes. really physically. She's not getting naked in front of him, but like yeah. she's definitely emotionally trying to seduce him. And he's mm-hmm. like, why do you keep trying to do that? And she says, because you want me to. That's the only reason. Everything I do is because the person I'm with wants me to. So he agrees. So she. I mean,
0: I mean, yes, I understand what she's saying because she's an empath, so she's not guessing he wants her to. She She knows knows for Mm -hmm. sure that he wants her to, right? And it's like Picard is not immune to like, you know, this beautiful woman who has like a million things in common with him. Who's the perfect mate, right? (laughs) Like who's Who's the the perfect perfect mate, right? Who's the perfect woman for him, right? So he he obviously has, he has a strong sense of duty, but he still like, can't help himself, but be very strongly attracted to this woman and drawn to her. So she's like, there's only one possible reason why I do keep pushing for this because you want me to like, she can sense it. So yeah, there's, you know, he stays like, I mean, kind of like summing up kind of this whole episode, like, you know, the Ferengi end up cooking up a deal or trying to cook up a deal with the, um,
1: Ambassador. Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Where he's like, you know, the, the, they're like, we, somehow want... they knew about this egg. Somehow. How is beyond me, but okay, whatever. <laughs> Let's just assume <laughs> that they're a competent race and they got this figured out. Right. So, you know, the Frankie are like, hey, we really, really want Kamala. Like, she would be invaluable. We, a uh, trading commodity. Da-da-da. We can give you all this money. We can bribe you with all this shit. Like, a shuttle will be here in two hours to like come, come get to all rendezvous of us. with
1: us and we can all run off into the sunset.
0: Yes. And I got to say, the Creosian ambassador isn't that smart because he goes, thank you for that information. I'm going to go tell Picard that right now. And I was like, dude, just play it just cool agree and, be and like, play
1: along and, just then walk agree out. and play
0: along. And when you walk out, then go to a hallway panel right outside the door and be like, hey, Picard, this mm-hmm. is the conversation I just had. Mm-hmm. But of course he didn't. So the Ferengi tackle him and he ends up falling down on a glass table and breaking it and becoming like totally taken out of commission like he's yeah. been unconscious he for days not
1: unconscious which is like yeah really scary because yeah. he's super old we find out later he's 200 years old but mm-hmm. even at the age the, a- the actor really is which is probably like i don't know 70 or something 60 mm-hmm. 70 you're like that's not good i mean if no. for any age for you to fall on your head onto yep. a glass table is not good but especially when you're when you're older and your bones are less you know um strong and stuff i was actually oh, yeah. worried for the actor like the i was like or the stuntman or whatever i was just like oh that didn't I know it's not that real not glass, but ow. Like, that still yeah, looks like that it's a, really hurts. It's like that sugar
0: sugar thing that looks yeah, like fun sugar, sugar that looks like glass. Yeah, sugar glass. But even still, it's like, dear God. But, like, Beverly's able to stabilize him, but he's going to be unconscious for a few days. And Kamala's like, uh, the conference can't be postponed. And it happens, like, tomorrow at this point. Yes, and like I'm in the very final stages of this like sexual maturity, and I have to bond with Ulrich of Vault in the next two days. So there's like, otherwise I've missed my window. And I was like, damn, that is you guys didn't have a B plan or anything in case shit went wrong. You're in space. You didn't think anything could go wrong. Okay, that's whatever.
1: Really, that's a really good point. <laughs> like this is if this. Why is did they only- wait to the very last stage of her of her thing? Why didn't they do it like a year earlier? And she could still be kind of like saucy. But yeah. just, she would just have to be confined to the I mean, palace, which she already was on her home be, world. So, whatever. To be
0: fair to the plot, she did say, had I remained in stasis in my little glowing egg, mm-hmm. there could have been some room for error. But because I was right, born, I was you're, right early, you're right, you're right. Now it is too late. So it's like, but even still, you're right. Like, how about a year before?
1: Right. What a year before. Right. How about
0: not like a day before? Not like so. Yeah.
1: Two weeks Picard, before, and it's a two-week journey.
0: Like, that is cutting it very yeah, no, close. no, that's
1: extremely, yeah. And then what happens if you close, if the window closes, then what? Then
0: what do you do? So, Picard is the only person who's familiar enough, surprise, surprise, um, with the peace treaty that Kamala's like, I'm very knowledgeable in the culture of vault, and will assist you in the ceremony, but you need to be the point person on this now, because apparently- new temporary ambassador. Why uh, not? By the way, you don't have, like, an understudy ambassador? Also, like, just one ambassador and one egg?
1: Dear yeah, God. I did the same
0: thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Picard's great being assistant? an ambassador.
1: And like he said, he said, I can't represent the desires of your people. Like, I can't represent you guys accurately. I don't know what this ambassador had in mind that he wanted to fight for, that the negotiations he wanted to make. And I was like, yeah, maybe you need to phone a friend. We need to help on a Zoom call, <laughs> get the other Self-based ambassadors up on here, put them on screen and have them do the ceremony or whatever. You can, you can ring the bells, but we need... Someone from that world (laughs) said, You can ring the bells. Sure. (laughs) You can you can knock the xylophone in space. You can do all the, you know, gong, hit do all the ceremonies. But the actual negotiation should happen with representatives from that planet and this other planet. Like Picard should not be stepping in as some last second, you know, 10 hours before the negotiation. Tell me all the things you want me to negotiate for. Like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. But Mm -hmm. whatever. Everybody's cool with it. The planet's cool with it. They just gave him carte blanche to like. You, you you know us pretty well, Picard. You probably know what we want. You just negotiate this peace treaty for this 100, you know, 300 year long war we've been having and all will be well. So that's what they decide. And I guess it's all fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. She ends up working with him and like, you know, they do the xylophone training and a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, they do end up bonding further because he talks about, you know, how he took piano as a kid and she took musical instruments. And he's like, oh, which one do you play? And she's like, all of them, you know, because she has to be well-versed in, like, everything, everything mm-hmm. of everything possible, because you never know when you might have a mate that needs you to also be a brain surgeon. Who mm-hmm. knows, right? Yep. So, you know, or the evening... Bef-
1: play the xylophone, yes, whatever it may be.
0: space xylophone. Mm-hmm. So the night before the ceremony, um, Chancellor Ulrich beams aboard. He's solely concerned with the provisions of the peace agreement. He is not concerned at all about Kamala, he's like a little weaselly kind of like just sort of very unlikable man. So yeah, he Picard's doesn't care like, about oh, the ceremony shit.
1: either. So that was also a waste of time learning. Because he was like, these people are so ceremonial. Like he j- he knows the other planet cared about ceremony and gifts and yada yada. Yeah. He's like, he's all like, I care just... about is the, is the trade agreement. Yeah. That's all That's I care it.
0: about. Mm-hmm. That's it. So Picard's like, dang it. Like my perfect mate is going to be stuck with this like little mushroom of a human being who's like wah, 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 about mm-hmm. stuff, right? <laughs> so Kamala is afraid to be alone on the eve of her bonding with Ulrich, and Picard agrees to stay and talk with her, and their connection grows even deeper, and she does the, like, stroking his hair thing, but he doesn't really have any, so she just kind of strokes his head.
1: Gives him a little she's, scalp massage.
0: Yeah, and she is super falling for him, and he knows he should leave, and, you know, he's got to go have tea with Beverly the next morning. And it is the moment I have been waiting for since we started this podcast. They have the tea pot and cups that all form together to make one set. Did you notice it? No, it's I did called not. the Sanger porcelain design 2 set. I have a picture of it up now on our Instagram so go check it out. Sanger is spelled S A E N G E R. It's like a very very like architecturally sculptural like teapot set. It too can be yours for $400. <laughs> Now, it's beautiful and it's handmade. So, I'm not taking a dig at the price. And I will tell you, as an amateur ceramicist myself, it is an incredibly complicated design to like, I'm pretty sure it's hand built. You can't make that on a wheel. And like, all the cups and the pot all form together to make like one shape. So, it's like to make everything fit together. It's like, I wish I could own one. Like, I wish. I had 400 spare dollars to just buy myself a Sanger porcelain design two set. But like, okay. But he's having this tea with Beverly and he's like, I'm so drawn to Kamala and Beverly is such a shoulder
1: for him. And I was like, I think that's really sweet. Cause she's like, I wish I knew how to help you, buddy. Like, I kind of felt like, like, yes, this was sweet. And I kind of felt like, wow, Beverly, this is the least helpful you've ever been. I feel like this is the first time she hasn't given her opinion or her advice in the history of the show. I was like, you've always got something to share. You've always got some idea. You've always got, <laughs> she <laughs> something, does thing, but here she goes, wish there was something I could say. And then well, I mean, but tea. what could she say? It's like, yeah, I don't know. She- something Beverly says some, something she pulled out of like yeah, This, this Beverly, is yeah.
0: a problem with no solution. This is a classic science experiment with no solution. There is nothing you can do. You let her go and you hurt. What are you going to marry her? That's not a thing. Prime suggestion, anybody, that's not going to be allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, and I love that she was like, I wish I knew what to do to help. And he's like, I just needed a shoulder. And a lot of times that's what people need. Yeah. And I have found that helpful in some past relationships where my partner's having a bad day at work or I'm having a bad day. And the question is asked, like, do you want a shoulder or do you want solutions? Right. And Mm -hmm. most of the time I know which one I want where I'm like, I don't want you to fix this for me. I just need you to listen that I'm like having a bad day at work or whatever. So she is a shoulder for him. And I think that's like such a wonderful friendship. And she says, like, you've always had a shoulder with me. And I was like, why don't you two just get married already?
1: (laughs) God. They're very sweet. I do. I do really like the take on relationships in this TNG universe where it's very open, like where you could love someone, but also be with somebody else. And it's not weird and it doesn't make mm-hmm. everybody jealous and angry. I don't really yeah. get that because I would be jealous and angry. So yep. I don't understand it. But I Agreed. do think it's a but I do think it's beautiful to watch. <laughs> where people can really honestly be happy for someone else because they're happy. That's why I feel
0: like this is why I feel like things like open relationships or or polyamory or whatever, I feel like on paper they sound really great where it's like we as humans have the capacity to like love. A bunch of other humans, and it doesn't all have to be like in linear, you know, chronological time. Like Mm -hmm. it can be kind of at once. And I found this person, person A, I have these bonds with, and person B, I have these other bonds with. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like it sort of inevitably doesn't work for the most part. I'm sure there are some people out there who are like, I've been in an open relationship for like 20 years, it works for us,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. But it's like, I, I, they might be an exception to the rule. I don't know. They are. I think they are the exception. I'm not super versed in that world. But I know me personally, um, I don't like to share. So <laughs> I just already know it's not for me. But I yes. but I do, si- similar to you, like, I don't, I, I appreciate the people who can mm-hmm. live that lifestyle because like yeah. you said, it makes so much sense on paper. And I don't like being jealous and angry. Like, I don't yeah. enjoy those feelings. So my solution is to not share. So then mm-hmm. I don't have those feelings. But there are other yeah. solutions, right? So yeah, I, I, I agree that, like, I think it, it's, on paper, it's like a really cool idea. In yeah. practice, well, I couldn't I mean, practice it. I already know. We already know. I'm not Our our I'm, I'm world is, Our
0: world it. is full of things that sound great on paper and are a complete disaster in practice. So it's like, okay, whatever. Anyway, now it's the ceremony time and Picard comes to pick her up. She's in the ceremonial gown and it is pretty, but like it's a way more stiff look. I liked her other look better. And she reveals that she has bonded with Picard and she will be this way forever. But having bonded with him she's learned the meaning of the word duty and she will carry out like her duty to bring peace to these two worlds. And as she walks out, she only hopes, she says, I only hope he likes Shakespeare. And I was like, oh, Kamala, you poor thing, you poor thing. And he like walks her down the aisle and Picard is like pretty wretched watching them kiss.
1: And I was like, this is just not yeah, fun it's sad to watch. for everybody. It's sad because Picard has now, you know, lost the literal woman of his, his dreams. But also, you know, here we have a woman marrying someone else because she feels like she has to, and living a life of quiet misery, which I feel like is something a lot of women can relate to. So again, yes. I didn't feel like this transported people. A lot of people, to, a lot of people yeah. yeah, a lot of people for sh- a lot of people for sure. But just being a woman, you know, I have like yeah. a very limited scope of experience, um, and. I feel like, and I know there's a lot of people in unhappy marriages, but I feel like a lot of women historically going along with this theme of women being property and whatnot mm-hmm. have been in marriages, especially something like this, a political marriage, yeah. have been in marriages so that family treaties could be formed, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing about, has nothing to do with actually loving that person. And granted, yeah. the husband is also getting into this marriage with some random person, but culturally, a lot of times the husband has a whole bunch of concubines, whole bunch of mistresses. Well, somebody also, they love like hanging a lot, in the back. A
0: lot, more, a
1: lot more agency to do so.
0: Um, right.
1: Like the, the, they have a harem of women that they can pick any time, but women culturally didn't have the same thing. Like if they got married politically, they didn't yes. have a harem of men that they could go and hang out with, right? That would be like yes. somehow wrong, but cool for yes. the guy. Yes. So it's like really, it's this feeling of being trapped in a relationship because you're a woman. That's Mm -hmm. how I felt at the end. And I did feel sorry for Picard because that was really sad. But I also feel like Kamala, your whole entire life now is going to be dedicated to a man you don't love and could never love. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to try to please him when he could care less about you. And you're just trapped in this thing for the rest of your life until you die. So heartbreaking.
0: Interested in her. Seems like most likely he'll just leave her alone
1: (laughs) most of the time. Right. Which is like, cool. Okay. Okay. At least. But the whole time she'll be in love with Picard. So yeah. it's like she will be pining for the rest of her life is what she signed mm-hmm. herself up for. But yeah, you're yeah. right. At least he'll leave her alone. She won't be having to like service him all the time because he's he's going to be off doing his thing. Uh,
0: there's no mechanism for her to refuse at this point anyway. There was a proposed ending where Kamala stopped the ceremony herself. And chose to, like, kind of go off on her own instead of choosing Ulrich or Picard. Because, like, you know, she's not going to live aboard the Enterprise now. Right. Um, But they ended up nixing that. And then there was a second alternate ending proposed. One where Picard stops the ceremony. But it's revealed that it's, like, just in his imagination. Because, like, he would never do that. Like, his sense of duty is too great. And it's like. That
1: would be so much worse. Because you're like, yay. And then you'd be like. And it's just his imagination. You'd be like, what the. Yeah, Yeah. That would be so much more. Even more upsetting as a viewer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm anyway, they didn't
1: go with either of those. That's
0: you know, that's kind of where things end into parting the ambassador is like, you know, I was chosen for this role for one reason alone because I'm 200 years old. So like this woman's sexual like maturity pheromones probably wouldn't do much to like sway me in either way, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't tempted at all. And you spent like days and days with her. How were you able to resist her? And Captain re- replies have a safe trip home. And mm-hmm. I was like,
1: dang. Yeah. Okay. Which yep. tells and me the ambassador maybe just he gets on the pad and zooms away.
0: I wonder if, I wonder if when she said, I'm afraid to be alone tonight and he stays, I wonder if they did hook up because that answer is like, have a safe trip home that to me that could read. It's none of your business, but it can also like on a more deep level can read. I didn't resist her. Like,
1: well, I just read it, it something as... Something went down. I do wonder if they hooked up, but I, I didn't assume they hooked up. I just assumed he fell in love with her. Like, mm-hmm. just without any hooking mm-hmm. up. And so that was his answer of, like, how did you resist her? I didn't. I fell in love with yeah. her. Yeah. Through all of my resisting, it didn't work.
0: Yeah. Is what I yeah. took it to mean. Yeah. Anyway, final thoughts on this one? I mean, I feel like we know your thoughts.
1: <laughs> yep, my final, final thoughts, thoughts are on... I didn't love it. Um, I did not understand what my take-home message was supposed to be at the end of this episode. The okay. end. What was your what was your what were your final thoughts?
0: I enjoyed the episode because I loved watching Fumka Jensen's acting change between people, mm-hmm. where I was like, that's pretty cool. That's versatile for an actress. Mm-hmm. I thought the plot was creative. I didn't think of it too much as like, this woman is property. um, or like, women are bred to please men because she's the first one in a hundred years that was born on the planet like this. So it, my take was if women were born, and bred to please men, then it wouldn't be so special that she's the only one. Like there would be no, millions of no, them. No,
1: just she was born and bred to please yes. men, specifically. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I mean, not born and bred. She was born. And then yes. when she was four, she was taking from her mom. So yes, she could be bred. To do this, yeah. You know, so she could be trained. So
0: yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think it's interesting that we have an episode that like we had different feelings on. Um, because I think that might be a first. But on that note. Next week, guys, we are breaking down season five, episode 22, Imaginary Friend. Thank you so much for nerding out with us and we'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.